Let me encourage you to be a part of our Bible study this morning. I, I would really like to encourage you to uh, take your Bible and follow along with this. We're going to be looking today in the uh, 14th chapter of the book of Romans. So if you've got your Bible, open it up there. That's where we're going to begin today. The book of Romans is really divided into two sections. Chapters 1 through 11 tell us the great doctrinal messages that God has for us. And then beginning in chapter 12 through 16, we have what we might call a practical lesson or application of what's been given to us. Chapter 14 deals with the areas of opinion, matters of opinion, things that you and I might think of as kind of the gray area. And there were two things that really were troubling the church here in Rome. One was eating meat. Now, to the Jews, that meant eating things that were not prohibited, that were prohibited under the Old Testament law. And to the pagans, they would offer their sacrifice to their God, and then the meat that was left over, they would sell. And so Christians would go there and get good bile meat, and boy, that upset some. The other problem they had was observance of days. Certain days that the Jews had for holidays and certain days the pagans celebrated and whether or not you could and should be observing these days. And so with that in mind, Paul then gives us the material that we find here in Romans chapter 14. Now things don't always go as you think they should go, or maybe as you thought they would go. There was a young couple that came to me one day and said, uh, Brother Marcia, we would like to be married. Will you marry us? And I said, well, I would just be honored to. They said, but let me tell you, there are some things that you may want to know. The boy said, I'm a member of the Church of Christ, and my fiancé here is a Catholic. And we would like for you to marry us, and we'd like for the Catholic priest to help. Would that be okay? And I said, well, if the priest is agreeable, that'd be okay. They said, now, because neither one of us have our church where we're getting married, we'd like to be married in the Methodist Church. So we'll be married down in Polk Street Methodist Church, if that's okay. And I said, well, that's okay with me. And the girl said, and one other thing, she said, my father died when I was young, and my mother raised me, and so I'd like my mother to walk me down the aisle and give me away. Would that be okay? And I said, well, I guess that'll be okay. So you've got a Church of Christ boy and a Catholic girl being married by a Church of Christ preacher and a Catholic priest. You're getting married in the Methodist church, and your mother's giving you away. A little bit different, but uh, as far as I know, the wedding took, and uh, things are still hanging on. Sometimes things are a little bit different than you might think, and people have different opinions about how things should go. If you have your Bible, I'm in Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Now, some translations say, over matters of opinion. One person's faith allows him to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted him. So he says, I want you to be aware of having different opinions upon things. And if somebody has a different opinion upon you, don't be judging them. 
Don't be calling them out and don't let there be trouble because you don't agree on a matter of opinion. Well, now what Paul does in Romans chapter 14, he gives us seven guidelines about dealing in matters of opinion. Now what we're not talking about is matter of scripture, but rather matters of opinion. Well, follow these with me, if you will. Number one, what does the Lord say about a matter? Listen, if you will, in verse 6 to what Paul wrote. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. And whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. And then in verse 12, he says, concerning this, I think, subject, So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. There was a black preacher that I used to love here preaching. He used to say this. He says, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Now, in matters in which God has spoken and given direction, that's exactly what we should do. We have one of our families that's not here today, and they told me last week that they were going to uh, be going to California to uh, visit their son. And I said, well, that's good. I said, does he go to church? He said, yeah, he's an active member of the Church of Christ out in Oakland, California. They said, but let me ask you one question. Now, in their church in uh, Oakland, the women serve communion. What do you think about that? Well, my first thing was thinking was, well, what does the Bible say about that? And you know, I have looked and searched, and I find there are no guidelines whatsoever given in the Bible about who it is to serve communion, or even how it is to be served. Now, maybe you have been to a Catholic service, and the uh, priests invite up all who want to partake of the Lord's Supper to come forth, and people come up to the front, and the priest puts a piece of bread into the mouth of the person who is to honor the day of Jesus, and then the priest drinks of the fruit of the vine, not the person. I would doubt that that would be what God has said. Now, there is a church I know in Fort Worth where the uh, communion is served by a time when it comes, the man says, all right, the communion will be served in the four corners of the building. And you can go to any one of the four corners of the building, and you can take communion there, right or wrong. As far as I know, not anything wrong with that. A little bit different than the way we do it. But if the Lord has not spoken on a matter, then we ought not try to impose what we think of as our opinion or a matter of judgment. What about women serving communion? Well, we use ladies to pass out brochures. We lose ladies to serve as greeters. And as far as I know, there's not anything that in the Bible that would say that a woman could not serve communion. But what we ought to be concerned about, what does the Lord say? And if the Lord has not spoken on a matter, then we should not be someone who is dogmatic and make anyone who disagrees with us feel bad because they don't hold the same opinion that we hold. Well, number two, the second thing he says is, I want you to know in what you're doing, is it breaking the law of love? Now check verse 15 with me, if you will. If your brother or sister is distressed, now that's kind of the key word there. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. 
Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Now, the word distressed here means that you are someone who has caused someone to really feel bad. You've inflicted pain and there's tears in them. Don't let what you do inflict pain upon someone, but rather you act with them in love. And you know, that's the way we ought to act all the time toward people. Uh, my dad was the uh, greatest quail hunter I ever saw. He could shoot quail like nobody you ever saw. But then when he got old, he couldn't shoot nearly as well as he could. And I came home and told Lunell one day, you know, my dad, boy, he missed five or six quail just right out in the open that he missed. And Lunell said to me, whatever happens, don't you ever kid him about that. You see, the law of love is not going to do something that makes somebody else feel bad. So when we're dealing matters in the church, realize that the law of love needs to apply and we don't need to do things that are going to deliberately hurt other people. Well, number three is found in verse 16, and that is, don't let your liberty be spoken of as evil. Now, verse 16 reads this way. Therefore, do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. Now, there are some things that you know that are just not wrong because you are a person that uh, knows what God says and God doesn't decree on a matter. But is it going to be a matter whereby somebody is going to be led astray because of something you think is good? Several years ago, I had uh, been somewhere to preach and I was coming back to uh, uh, Amarillo on Saturday and I came to the airport on Saturday and there was a big OU football game going to be on. And I wasn't going to be able to get home in time to watch it. And so I maybe can watch it in the airport. And so I began to check around at places I might find it and there was only one place that you could go and see the football game in the Dallas airport. And you know where that was? That was in a bar. Now, I got to thinking, well, what if I go into that bar and get a Coke or a 7-Up and I'm sitting there at the table watching the football game and there is somebody from Amarillo goes by and looks like, can you believe that? There's that preacher. He got out of town and there he is in the bar. And so I had a question here, what am I going to do? Man, I want to see that ball game, but you know, I don't want to do something that's going to cause somebody else trouble and maybe ruin my influence for the Lord. Over in the book of uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 7, Paul says, For none of us lives to ourselves, and nobody dies to himself. What I do is going to affect other people. So don't let your liberty be spoken of as evil. Somebody says, what'd you do? Well, I'm not going to tell you what I did. <laughs> number, n number four, the fourth thing that Paul says is, does it contribute to peace? That's what he said in verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What he says, I want you to realize that the things in the church are things that are spiritual things, and they are not just material things. So as you live and as you serve God, 
you want to do those things that are going to contribute to peace. The kingdom of God is a peaceful place. And if the church is going to be a peaceful place, then we've got to do the things that lead to peace. Before we moved to uh, Amarillo, we lived for four years in Fort Worth. And uh, when we left uh, Fort Worth and moved to Amarillo, the uh, church there hired another preacher, and he was a good preacher. In fact, he had written several books, was a very intelligent young man, and just did a wonderful job, but a problem arose. He, when he looked around at things, he said, you know, People would feel a lot more comfortable if they came and the men came and they didn't wear ties. They wear maybe a tie all during the week and, and now they would come to church and have to dress up again. They'd be a lot more comfortable if they just came casual. So I'm not going to wear a tie anymore. Well, if they went okay for a week or two. And then there was a group of little ladies, little old ladies, that said, you know... We think the preacher ought to have a tie on. Now, let me tell you, you can search everywhere in the Bible you want to, and there's not any indication of a dress code in the Bible as to how a person ought to dress when they come to church. In fact, uh, the idea of wearing a tie was not even something that uh, developed until hundreds and hundreds of years later. So, but these little ladies thought that would be really important. And so they told the elders, and the elders said to him, Mike, there's some ladies that really feel a lot more comfortable if, you know, if you were wearing a tie. And he said, nope, I'm not going to do it. And so it went on, and the ladies got more of them together, and more, and they went to the elders and said, we think our preacher ought to be wearing a tie when he preaches. And the elders said, well, so they went to him and said, Mike, would you just please, for the sake of peace in the church, would you start wearing a tie again? And he said, no, I'm not going to do it. And so you know what happened. I mean, a matter that did not mount to a hill of beans kind of grew and grew, and finally he got fired. You know, I thought, what a stupid thing to do. I mean, God wanted there to be peace in the church, and if somebody's doing something and it can lead to peace, do it. Even if you have to give up your right, do that which is going to lead to peace. And so as you think about your opinion and doing what you think of would be a good thing to do, make sure it's not going to be something that's going to cause trouble rather than something that's going to cause peace. Well, number five, is it going to be something that's going to edify other people? Look, if you will, in verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Now, if you note there with me, that is the second time that the word peace has been used. Used, first of all, up in verse 17, and now here in verse 19, because we need to be concerned about the things that are going to bring peace. God wants His church to be a place of peace where people love each other and people get along with each other and when there is peace. Uh, over in the book of Philemon, there's kind of an interesting story. You may remember what the story is in Philemon that there is a slave by the name of Onesimus who has run away. And uh, as he has done so, he is now a wanted man. 
And he somehow ends up in Rome, and he meets Paul, and Paul teaches him the gospel, and the man becomes a Christian. And now Paul has this runaway slave who is a Christian, and the question is, what am I going to do with him? Should I send him back, or should I just keep him here? I really love this man. So in Philemon verse 12 through 14, we find Paul sends this letter back with Onesimus. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I do not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would seem voluntary. Paul said, you know, I'm going to send him back. It's not what I really want to do. But you know, I think it is the thing that legally and I am here to do because I want to do the things that make peace between us. So, as Paul talks as you to think about things of your opinion, do the things that are going to edify others and make others realize that you know that they are important. Well, number six is, will it cause my brother to stumble? Look in verse 21. Verse 21. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Now, we're not just talking about maybe something somebody said, I don't agree with that. Or, or something in some crabby old person who's against everything says something about. But I mean, is this going to really cause my brother or sister to fall away from the Lord? It's a serious thing to do something that's going to cause somebody else to lose their faith. And you and I need to be very careful about that. Amos Kendall was the postmaster general when Martin Van Buren was the president of the United States. And one day, a lady came to see him who was dressed in black, and you could tell she was in mourning. Mr. Kendall, when he met her, said, May I ask you what the problem is? And she said, The problem is my son. He has died, and he is not a Christian. And the reason is because of you. When I would try to get him to go to church, he would say, Postmaster Kendall doesn't go to church. When I would try to get him to read the Bible, he would say, Postmaster Kendall doesn't read his Bible. She said, and that went on through his whole life until he died. She said, on his deathbed, he said to me this, Mother, I had the wrong view. I had my eyes on the Postmaster Kendall and not on Jesus. And I die without hope. You see, you and I need to be very careful because we don't want to do anything that would cause a brother or sister in the Lord to stumble. And realize that you certainly have a way of thinking and reasoning, but make sure it's not going to be something that causes somebody else to lose their faith. Well, number seven, and that is, well, can I do this with a clear conscience? Look in 22 and 23. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Now, if you are aware that there's going to be something that if you bring it up, it's going to cause problems, Paul says, listen, just keep it to yourself. 
Don't let your choosing what you want to do be something that's going to cause someone else to fall. Then he continues on. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whatever, whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. He said, I want to tell you something here, that if you are doing something and it's against your conscience, quit doing it. Because you need your conscience to be your guide, and don't let you choose something that you think is wrong and continue on doing it. You and I need to realize that God has given us a conscience, and that conscience is to be our guide and to be a help to us. And if you think something is wrong, then don't do it. Even if somebody else thinks it's right, don't do it. Lovingly suggest that you would like to uh, abstain from doing it or not eating it or not involved with it, but don't do that which is going to violate your conscience. Finally, let me give you these words, verses 13 through 15. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Don't be over here judging somebody because they don't feel exactly like you do about a matter of opinion. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced because being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him that person is, uh, that thing is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. You see, what I want to do is, I want to do the things that are going to peace. But there are things that sometimes change, and we have different opinions that we do, and uh, we are able to do that because God has given us the right to have differences of opinion. But don't let your matter of opinion be that which is going to cause a great division or great harm in the church. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, help us to be people of the book and to know what you say. And what you say, Lord, that's what we do. Dear Father, help us also, though, to be aware of the fact that everybody doesn't see things exactly like we do. And sometimes, dear Father, we need to give in and do things, dear Father, that other people may think would be wiser for the sake of the church and for the good of the individual. We love you, Lord, and thank you for giving us a mind with which we can think and a heart, dear God, with which we can feel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go home and read chapter 14 of the book of Romans, if you will. You'll find it a very challenging chapter indeed in your faith. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning, and maybe there's a way we could be of encouragement to you. Maybe you'd like to come and say, you know, I'd like to be a part of this church family. If that's your desire, we would welcome you into our family. Maybe you'd like to come today and confess your faith and be baptized into Christ. Everything's in readiness if you'd like to do that. I'll be at the front. Our elders will be at the back. And if we can serve you in any way, why don't you come right now as we stand and sing together. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a tenderness, what a 
Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning, leaning Leaning on the everlasting arms What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms I have blessed peace with my Lord so near Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning, leaning